Welcome to Radio Free Deimos, an Nixon Draconis fan podcast broadcasting from a post-Deimos orbit on Voltaire Station. With me this week are my co-hosts, Ashtar and Wines, and I'm Corpo, and I forgot my name there. Hello. <laughs> Hi. So this week is episode 47 of Radio Free Deimos, which is an awful lot of time spent on four books, <laughs> um, Applied Science and Robotics, Conspiracies, and Alternate Readings, um, talking about some misinterpretations of ASR. Uh, and then next week, we're probably going to talk about, I think, Kogsune's maybe. That's been kind of on our to-do list for a long time, and it's sure. vaguely on topic. We have had at least one person ask for him. Was it one of us? I'm not at liberty to say. Okay. <laughs> uh, so before we begin, I've got a quick question for my hosts. Uh, we've had an awful lot of problems this week because of an operating system update. Did everybody kind of get through that okay? Uh, all my... Literature majors downstairs are upset because it corrected the spelling on the literary archive, which is really bad. And also my name is now spelled carbon across the board. Um, you also forgot your name a moment ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, too many things plugged into my skull. <laughs> well, speaking personally, I don't mind having to reboot the plumbing every time I have to pee. <laughs> my breakfast Nutribar was blue and tasted of charcoal. I think we need to go kick the uh, machine a few more times. Is that not normal? I, don't, I mean, the charcoal taste for sure. <laughs> mm. it, 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 excuse me. It absorbs its own toxins. <laughs> <laughs> it has taken you centuries to even grasp what we developed eons of your years ago. So I've been having a fun time working on the Radio Free Deimos website for the last week and a half or so. It started off maniacally mapping Mars. I'm not going to try to say that again. Hmm. With the intent of building out the Traveler's Guide to Seoul, kind of set it up like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or a travel log sort of thing. And I've been having a lot of fun expanding on the like icy, frozen southern plains of Mars and looking at how the geography would be in 700 years after some serious terraforming. It's been really entertaining, and I'll have that available on www.radiofreedemos.com slash wayfinder. There's not a lot there yet, just kind of a template page. If you dig down far enough, you'll find some fun stuff. I realized also that I had an NPC that I was really enjoying writing up. He's kind of a sleazeball producer, and I named him Pierce. <laughs> uh, this is not meant as a slide to anybody named Pierce in our <laughs> extended life and circle of friends. Um, totally coincidental. I just like the name. We've received messages from their spaceships. For a while, it came in as just a lot of jumbled noise. This week, we're talking some conspiracy theories about ASR, which is the second oldest corporation in Seoul, allegedly. And I think to start out with, I'm going to like recap some of the highlights or lowlights of ASR history just to kind of contextualize some of this nonsense. Theoretically, ASR spun off from Mars Co. at about 70 AE officially. That was the like foundation date of the ASR Megacorp. That was around the time they developed the COG, and that was the impetus and reason to separate the corporation out because of this huge big thing. I think we jointly agreed that's probably a 
first edition sort of story, maybe not a sound and silence sort of story. Mm-hmm. Too good to be true. Around 30 AE, Marsco is probably setting up the big three spinoff corporations, uh, Genotype, Pulse, and ASR, for some reason, uh, maybe to take a big fall or so that it can reshape the world and keep its hands clean. And so probably for 20 years there, ASR is building maybe the cogs. It's preparing for whatever its big launch is going to be. The companies are getting ready to separate. I'm only assuming it's taking about 40 years because Marsco tends to move on a very slow timetable. And that seems about right to develop three companies and separate them out. Mm -hmm. Humans were really freaked out by the launch of the cogs. This is touched on in 2.0, not so much in the earlier books, but... I remember that the humans were still around when the big three corporations were being spun off. They died out around about like 100, I think, 110, 120 thereabouts. No, like right at 120 AE. So this is about 70. And the humans are really disturbed by the rise of the cogs, saying that ASR is going to ruin their legacy. The cogs are going to – the cogs are going to basically destroy humanity's legacy somehow. We're not really sure how, but it's just – it's what they were streaming after the time, and that might have been kind of after the fact lensing as per so many other things in our soul's history. Mm-hmm. There's a note in, this is all kind of out of order, but there's a note in 2.0 that says that ASR's mission statement, its charter is to, is the creation of technology that will assist the budding population of Mars. Do with that information again what you will. Another random note in 2.0 is the suggestion that Pulse was engaged in some sort of plan to create a big social unification project. And Pulse was originally kind of tasked with entertainment and social structures and kind of the, you know, creating the opiate of the masses sort of thing for vectors. And we don't really, we don't really have a sense for what that epic um, social unification project was. There is no hint dropped in any book that I've seen, but Whatever it was, the cogs really disrupted Pulse's plan and set the seeds for some of the entity between the two corporations. Don't really have a clue as to what that project was, though. The only thing we know is it involved using all of the gumballs in known space. I, I, I believe that, but known space was a lot smaller back then. There are yeah, more gumballs well, now. True. We have the gumball belt. ASR's other goal is to merge the two species, cogs and vectors, and I think that plays into some of the weirder ideas I've had about their existence. By any means necessary. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, duct tape is probably the beginning. <laughs> and one bit of trivia that I think informs ASR in, in small ways is that of the first three corporations, ASR was specifically created to be a separate entity. It was made to be a spinoff. So whatever it was, Marsco was pretty explicit that this was going to be its own isolated entity. Pulse kind of became a corporation after some time, so its separation was a little bit softer. Apparently, it must have developed enough inertia to run away from the Marsco orbit or something like that. Or maybe you just can't keep Pulse down. I don't know. We'll talk about that during the Pulse series. <laughs> or they just can't stand working with them. <laughs> that is quite likely the case. I've worked with marketing people. <laughs> you live with marketing people. That's true. Well, there's there's also the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy suggestion of the uh, A-ship that had all of the intelligent people, the C-ship that had all the people that kept the society running, and the B-ship that had all the useless folks. And they went ahead and launched the B-ship first and told uh, them everyone else would follow. I realized that launching all the loud people sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> 
those are my people, so <laughs> you take that back. Poor Corbo. <laughs> so let's dive into some alternate readings from, of ASR, the second oldest corporation in known space. Uh, spoilers, because we're going to talk about Mars, uh, ASR origins, and I think that means talking about Sentry first and foremost. Um, What's Sentry again? What's Sentry again? Sentry is the guiding artificial intelligence of Marsco and ASR. Hmm. That is not generally, allegedly that's not publicly known. I, I guess that's in Sound and Silence, so it's not necessarily known to vectors that this is the case. So Marsco is huge and sprawling and vast and cannot be governed by anything. So it is mostly governed by the artificial intelligence that was created to kind of manage all of its branches early on. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of grown and grown. So there may not be a central board of directors for Marsco. There is no shadow president for Marsco. For those of us that are kind of new to the series, the shadow president is usually one person that's invested in... What is that noise? One person that's invested in... The, the corporation's powers are invested in so that person can make very fast decisions and kind of get away, get off of the like massive bulk of the bureaucracy and quick response type mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's um, kind of a bureaucratic 007. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe the corporation's board does not like this person because they have all the power and the board has to vote to have power. The board has to have meetings. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Marsco does not have a shadow president or it has one person that's like ordained by Sentry every so often as the shadow president, but with a little less power because this artificial intelligence can can give and take. Most of the rest of the corporations have a human, well, a vector in charge. Oh, well, yes. Almost all the other corporations have a vector in charge as the Shadow Corporation, with one notable exception that is a bug. We'll go with many other corporations. Some. <laughs> some of the other corporations. Among their many weapons. Yes. Um, but... But ASR, I mean, it wouldn't surprise anybody that ASR's secret power is an artificial intelligence. That's like, oh, yeah, well, of course it is. But it's also the same computer that runs Marsco. And I think that's significant for a couple of different angles you can take on that. We would like to reassure you that any ominous bone crunching in the background is purely a glitch of the environmental system and not that we forgot to feed the artisans downstairs. <laughs> right. Um. So theoretically, Sentry has divided itself into some separate wings so that it is not forced to relay important and critical information to itself. I feel like all of us can see the logical flaw in this. It has certainly told ASR that it is not relaying important information to Marsco. ASR is not subject to Marsco's board's decisions, but it seems like there's any number of ways this delicate arrangement could break down in the event of an actual emergency. Um. So all possibilities Sentry has probably already considered. Yes, and has many plans against. <laughs> so kind of what does this mean? Um, Mars Co. may have built a backdoor into ASR from the beginning. Uh, since ASR was intended to be its own corporation, This the seeds of this could have been planted in AE20. We don't know. Uh, so ASR, if this is the case, then ASR's goals are always going to line up with Mars Co's. And it simply can't act against Mars Co's wishes. Uh, or or can't act too far out of agreement with... Right. I mean, ASR does have its own board of directors that theoretically controls the company, assuming they aren't AIs. Um, They're all AIs. AIs all the way down. So, assuming that 
Sentry is working both sides. Uh, in the worst case scenario, ASR becomes a Marsco puppet. Uh, in the best case, it's just simply possibly unable to act against Marsco in any major way. Uh, somewhere between the two is most likely the truth. Together, the, the double team of Marsco and ASR is a whole lot of inertia in Seoul because, because both of these corporations exist to slow down technology, to slow down culture, to slow down progress in many ways. I mean, yes, ASR is, does huge advances as well, but kind of the more dark side ASR is the Warshaper Agency and the Grounding Agency, and those both like make sure that technology gets doled out at the right pace. And Marsco is nothing if not a huge drag on all of Soul's progress. That's kind of what it does. It slows things down and makes them stable. The bureaucracy is expanding to meet the expanding needs of the bureaucracy. Yeah, exactly. So in this case, Pulse was created to kind of placate the masses and make the society slow and manageable as well. And so most of the big three are there to just draw things down. But you can flip this around a little bit and say that the reason that they're the same computer is because perhaps the early executives of ASR invented Sentry. It's artificial intelligence. It's what they do. So in about 20 AE, humans are still in control of Marsco. And like generation one vectors are about 40 at that point in time. So starting to kind of come into their age of majority and power in a big way. And generation two is like 25 and 30. And they're kind of young Turks at this point. And both would really like to see humans not in charge of things anymore because humans are making very human driven decisions. And you get things like the raccoons being used to destroy laterals and other semi-unethical projects created by humans to maintain their control over vectors. So ASR, in this case, might separate from Marsco as a firewall um, after their AI has infected Marsco, and they use their tools to slow down Marsco to a crawl, basically destroying its ability to make forward progress so that the big three, Pulse, ASR, and Genotype, can have a little alliance, get together, and take over the world and leave the humans behind. A little more vector-first theory, uh, but I think it works. So Pulse, ASR, and Genotype kind of get together. They strip what they can from Marsco. Marsco doesn't really make a lot of forward progress for a long time. But eventually they kind of lose their alliance. Genotype explodes. Pulse and ASR start fighting each other. And it's like 100 years before Marsco can start to kind of be functional again in this kind of reading. I, I think it's quite possible. One kind of thing I can use to support this is that there is a genetic, well, there was a genetic and technological archive on Phobos, the moon nearby. It was originally created as, well, the base on Phobos was originally set up to be a information technology storage place for presumably ASR and, and genotype uh, as another kind of way to distance itself from Mars, perhaps, or just in case Mars went nuclear the way Terra did. A lot of the canon... ASR conspiracies kind of centered around cogs and are they secret puppets wearing vector costumes and things like that, which I, I just don't find very interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like the mind control question or something like that. It's just pointless speculation. It's a little obvious. It is. It is. It is. So uh, why cogs? We know there are a lot of triggers built into vectors. There's the master's voice. Um, that's a big one. Uh, there's whatever the... Was it the MUT, MUT, MUT protocols? There's whatever the MUT protocols were actually meant to encourage. There's probably more. There's a wave of, speaking conspiratorially, this wave of plagues broke out after genotype was taken down. And it is a known thing humans have done to other species to plant these kind of time bombs in them. Like the pale men and the selkies had to get together to breed, but they didn't tell either species that. They just kind of, the humans on Terra just kind of lied about how their biology worked. 
And it was well before they discovered that they were each other's missing half. Um, there are these things planted in the species that humans have created, and the vectors likely knew some of that. So perhaps the cogs were created as a species that was entirely free of human influence. It's a, a reasonable interpretation. If a species that they could be sure was free of human free of human influence. Right, right, right. I actually can't remember if cogs suffer from the master's voice effect or not. Um, I, can't, I just can't remember right That's now. Interesting question. I think that it's been unofficially answered, but not officially, like on the forums. And I want to say they are affected by it, but I don't know why that would be the case. So maybe I'll ask Seb that the next time I see him in, sure. in chat. And there are really good reasons to set up firewalls in Seoul, like separating ASR from Marsco, separating Mars from Terra, separating cogs from vectors. And that is Hydra. Hydra is able to skip from creature to creature and through the whispers. Hydra is able to skip from person to person through the whispers because it infects things by analogies. In the darker lore in the back of Sound and Silence, the author discusses that if Soul is fully infected by Hydra, then Hydra will have mastered the concept of solar system. And then the universe is just going to go away eventually in a big cloud of black. So the only way to keep Hydra and the other at bay is to limit what it knows and to limit the way it can spread through contagion. So having a sentient race that is not vector is useful because the cogs are not necessarily going to be taken down by whispers. Okay, sure. Uh, so some support for support for this. ASR is the war is one of the big war corporations. I mean, probably not as gung ho about fighting as Pulse, but they are the weaponsmiths and the and the shipbuilders now. ASR is not going into the battle of the the Red Spire, the big strike against the the Tower of Whisper right. work on Earth. That's being run by Pulse, Progenitus, and maybe Marsco. That might be it. I mean, those are all people that might go to war, but I think it's significant that the one of the big weaponry agencies is not involved in this strike, and I think that's a possible reason. On the other other hand, the very first thing that Hydra infected was a computer network on Terra, and how is that different from the artificial intelligence network that ASR is creating? Uh, can all cogs communicate telepathically? And if not, it's probably just a toggle app away from that happening. Well... Not just a computer network, all computer networks, and not just all computer networks. It's specifically called out that that was completely ignoring firewalls, physical separation, any sort of transmission. Once it had access to one network, it had all networks. Right. So and that was behavior of a virus that they had never seen before, which was what made it so seductive, but also effective. So this is an idea I hadn't had before, but there's a, a breakdown period between Terra and Mars, which is which is kind of this information black hole and why we don't necessarily have full banks of what happened on Terra. So the reason behind that was that Marsco shut down the computer network so that Hydra could not hop across the solar system and reach them. Then that might have been the thing that stopped it from infecting the rest of the, the rest of Sol. Um, and there's not been any strong evidence that Hydra has gone after computer networks since then. Uh, certainly seems like it'd be capable of it because it understands the concept, but really we need to work on the life support system here. It sounds <laughs> just, just kick it. <laughs> well, it could, again, it is symbolic concepts. It, it could very well understand the highly networked earth network, but if part of the changeover to vectors and part of the changeover to ASR was almost a complete rebuilding of 
the science of computers and networking that might have taken it enough degrees away to... Uh, according to Seb, there really isn't a canon Solnet network that covers everything that's freely accessible and links everything together. I think the color text goes kind of against that at times. But whatever it is, it's not it's not a free universal internet. So maybe there isn't the networking infrastructure to manage that. I don't know. So add to this that there are rules to hack people's brains. Right. And uh, virtually every ASR employee has, if not a cranial implant that affects their vision and perception. Uh, they may even have one that replaces a lot of their head with machinery. Uh, the threat of an AI that's able to jump from computer to computer could really mess with their entire citizenry at that point. That's true. And their virtual world, which is where half their citizenry lives. Well, I, I take that back because ASR is not promoting uh, the Matrix during this period of time. It has okay. in the past. Right now, it just does augmented reality for the most part. They found that pod people just didn't spend enough money. <laughs> yeah, the pod descriptions just didn't work out. And this is a question I've often kind of asked when I'm, like, trying to figure out what what's going to explode next in Seoul. Uh, whatever happened to, like, the hardware, the, like, software stored backups of Hydra? Somewhere, I think there's probably, like, a thumb drive or a creaky like tape media drive or something that's got the universe's most dangerous AI on it. But the only reason it hasn't escaped yet is because it hasn't figured out tape drives. <laughs> also, it's labeled AOL starter disk. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That makes perfect sense. So let's talk about the cog afterlife for a while, which I love this concept and there's no good reason for it on the surface. Well, there's no nice reason for it on the surface. The great big floppy disk in the sky. It is. So as a cog ages, you know, if a cog is just like hit by a grenade or something and blows up, I'm not sure they do go to the great big thumb drive in the sky. Um, it suggests they do. But for the most part, cogs, as they age, start to kind of get more, more drifty and less tied down to reality, kind of like humans fading at the end of their lives. And eventually their consciousness goes to the cog afterlife, which is a physical place, probably somewhere on Mars that has a guy looking over it all the time, two guys or girls. I don't know, but it's a very concrete location. The, the cog after after the cog afterlife is something that creates some division between vectors and cogs, because this is something, this is a form of immortality that one has that the other doesn't have. And why create something or why publicize something that uh, would create division like that? I think the big obvious reason is because they're using the COG Afterlife as a massive data storage unit so they can absorb every COG's experience and freely access it as opposed to leaving it in the hands of two old custodians. And this spins off one more question, which is at what point does a vector become more like a COG than a dog? Uh, if they have most of their skull replaced by a computer, what happens when they die? Do they get downloaded too? It's hmm. kind of an open question. Um, Have we checked the marketing copy? <laughs> well, you, you'd think they'd include that. <laughs> Upon death, all contents will revert to the ownership of ASR. Well, if it involves a discount. Oh, true, true. Okay. You just press the button, little checkmark button. It's an advertising-supported personal AI boost. Wait, is that why all my memory upgrades are free? <laughs> yes, and, and that's why you you, you in, insert product placements in your uh, sentences <laughs> involuntarily. 
So the massive ASR pulse for cyber augmentation may just be a way of getting more information stored in the great COG uh, afterlife hard drive. And this might lead us into the discussion of who are our real digital masters. There's a grotto called the Digital Collective, I think, discussed in Sound and Silence. And this is really more the Matrix style of AI. Uh, people who join the Digital Collective have a special ceremony where their bodies are destroyed and their, trans their consciousnesses are uploaded to Solnet, the digital world. Wherever consciousnesses go. <laughs> yeah. Which actually works just about as well as transporting your body across soul in a, in an instant. Right. That's not much of a joy ride anymore. <laughs> but this is a place where um, people's consciousnesses re reside. They gradually become more and more alien and strange and distant and functionally immortal. Once you lose all the worries associated with life and meat and the physical world and paychecks, then you become distant and insane. So as more and more people adopt digital technology into their skulls as more more cogs get created, generated, born, then this gives these digital geists more access to the physical world should they choose to, more, more windows to peek out from, and gradually lets them extend their existence over huge portions of soul. Nothing in canon support this. Generally, the digital collective seems to be happy to live far away, but if you want to spin your campaign in that direction, it's an option. The, the great game, kind of the rivalry between Pulse and ASR, it's been going on 500 years. It was kind of the first, I guess, major sports team event. You could root for the computers or the jocks, your choice. Um, I think it's interesting that both groups are quite similar. I mean, they're both about augmenting vectors in different ways. They both have an immortality that no other corporation has, well, maybe TTI, in ASR, the cogs can live on and on in this immortal world. In Pulse, they can become ancient dragons and live out their lives on Venus or wherever if they choose to. Um, so there's kind of this, this, I think there's some parallels between them that are kind of suggest it's more of a joke than anything else. So a couple of like ASR sponsored apocalypses we might end up with. On page 51 of Sound and Silence, we, are, we meet the AI control unit team is. I don't remember what their name is anymore, but the group that's specifically there to reign in rogue AIs. And one of them, there's a little example character. Her name is Carrie Ove or something like that. And she talks about the AI singularity. This is when an AI can build an AI that's better than itself. And that AI can build an AI that's better than its previous parent and so on and so forth until AIs are exponentially better than anything we can possibly accomplish. And then they, then Skynet. Mm -hmm. or machines that can build machines that can build better machines or whatever. This is the technology, the singularity, the AI singularity. And in her little sidebar, Kare speculates that this has already happened and that we've already crossed the threshold into the AI apocalypse, the AI singularity, and that this new AI is named Kagsune, and those little furry bastards are going to blow up the world. If you want to point at a machine that can build machines that are better than itself, that'd be a fine place to start. But what's better than Robot Phoenix? Well, that would be one of the great unanswerables. I would, <laughs> I would say large robot hyenas, but that's okay. me. Yeah, maybe. Another possible AI-sponsored holocaust would be the uh, great AI battle where Sentry herself invades the digital collective and the virtual afterlife and fights it out to see who would win. 
Uh, I just want to get tickets for that one. It'd be like Core Wars. What was that old game from the 90s where you simulated computers? Yeah, Core Wars. Core Wars. Yeah, it'd be like that, but with giant solar system spanning AIs. And there's probably a sci-fi author that's speculated on this already. Alistair Reynolds is a good place to go. I would, I would almost guess so. Those would probably be the most expensive tickets per microsecond in the history of Seoul. That's true. I mean, you run the entire thing in slow motion later on. As a slight detour, one of his books, The, the Prefect, it the culmination of the books was a pair of AIs going after each other. And in order to protect themselves from each other, they spread across the entire solar system's network, at which point everything they did in their cognition was slowed down by physics because their brain was now 11 hours across. And so from that point on, the two of them duking it out was a 10 or 20% tax on all data transmissions because it's embedded into everything. And the society went on realizing at one point, one of them is going to win and we're probably not going to be very happy in either case. (laughs) (laughs) description i don't think i'd want to see it either so from there i guess we can move on to the news and stories and things like that we've seen on the news there's one of those pointless sentences again well there's a neat story about a solar system that's been spotted which is a double binary oh yeah a pair of binaries orbiting each other which is really exotic it'd make a great logo yeah yeah that would need a little animated logo there Apparently, the the plane of the solar system, well, most solar systems, everything is in one plane. Everything is orbiting more or less the same direction as the the parent star. But in this solar system, no, it's it's all over the place Mm. because it's so complex. But that's pretty cool. We can only imagine what the night sky would look like or (laughs) how often you get a night sky with that many suns floating around. (laughs) A couple of things that caught my interest this month uh, from from the world, specifically of furry news. Um, This is old news. It was December, but MFF had an attendance of over 10,000 this time. Wow. Which is, I think, the biggest number of any fur con ever, although it's still dwarfed by most anime cons. (laughs) Right. But it's exciting to see it in five digits. Yeah. I think when I last researched it, fandom cons went up to 250,000 plus. Like anime? Um, fandom in general, not necessarily anime, mm. but that's how big they get. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, Gen Con was the size of a city, right? And there's some con in somewhere in Europe where it takes place in a relatively small town, and while it's happening, the town is almost all con. <laughs> People who can make money off that have a great time. People that don't leave, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're in the park. Yeah, exactly. And then I saw on um, on Flayra, I saw an article about a cute-looking book, which I think is very Exendraconus relevant. Uh, it was by a furry named Servalet. I guess his human name is Johannes Karp. That sounds like one of those names that's almost fictional on its own. Yeah. And back in two hundred, uh, back in two thousand fifteen, he started writing a web comic called um, "So You've Become a Tar." Huh. And recently, uh, Jerlium, Jerlium? J-A-R, oh, I don't even, I don't even want to try. Rabbit Valley is selling us now. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, this is a 
book. It's the webcomic with some additional pages of expanding. That's a lot of world building on how to live if you suddenly become a tar. And I think for those of us that have these large bulky characters in HSD, it's going to be a fun resource. It talks sure. a lot about... Uh, Pants. Yeah, actually, it mentions freedom from the tyranny of pants, which is not an HSD concept. <laughs> HSD is all about the pants. Um, how to drive, what to wear. On the Flare article, there's a really cute picture of a centaur witch trying to ride a broomstick. It doesn't work. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely precious. So, yeah, there's a couple of different sites that sell that, and uh, it looks pretty cute. That's So You've Become a Tar by Johannes N- Carp. No, Nap. Oh, what the hell? I don't know. Johannes Nap. And I think relevant to centaurs, you you have to include a link to self-centaur to the animation. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. I'd also like to mention local artist Cosmos, whose character is is a uh, a, a blue centaur stag. Um, he has some really neat ideas. He's drawn like what an office chair for a, a tar would look like, hmm. and neat, neat stuff. Yeah. A little fainting couch, maybe. Uh, is that everything? I guess so. You need a new celebrity hero, Ashtar. Yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of fallen on hard times. I think ever since he made the four twenty joke, we've lost, we've lost our love. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. Next week is going to be the long-awaited episode on Kogsunes and a little bit more. Uh, we are rapidly approaching episode fifty, which is very quote exciting unquote. And thank you all for, I guess, over two years of this ride and catch you outro line. Intro music is Future Club and outro music is Tronicles, both by Serious Beat. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Radio Free Demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification. Check out our website, RadioFreeDemos.com, that's D-E-I-M-O-S, for more rambling, resources, links to official and fan-driven content, and our full catalog of episodes. And look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.